Please enjoy this sport bloke segment from an upcoming or recent episode. So, Shuri, I know we are both absolutely champing at the bit to talk about basketball this week. There's so much going on. Suspensions in the NBL, weird results in the NBL, weird all-star selections in the NBA thanks to K-pop influencers. And I've got some little bits and pieces and you've got some funnies. We've got so some, we're going to have yeah. some fun with this one. We've got, we got some puns. Where do we start? Maybe should we just, oh, well, we've got we've got to talk about Matty Hodgson, don't we? We do, we do. Just, I suppose, just a very, very quick overview of the NBL round before we get stuck into that. Yes, and good luck trying to find a form line. <laughs> it is all over the shop. Well, this is it. Before I sort of start rattling them off, that was the very thing that I had had sort of thought was that no team has really impressed me thus far as a standout. There are better teams than others, but every single team has problems. And some of them are very similar. Some of them are very different. So, And forget week by week. It's game by game. And sometimes teams are playing three games in a week. Yep. So it's just, you've got to take those wins and bank them. And these results that I'm about to rattle off will completely underline that. There's just, as you say, no form line. So there's nine games. Melbourne 84 defeat Brisbane 82. Perth 94 beats Illawarra 80. Tassie 76 knocks off Adelaide 71. Illawarra 94 beats Cairns 75. The Phoenix 88 beat Brisbane 73. Adelaide 88 beats Melbourne United 83. Sydney 96 beats Perth 81. Tassie 83 defeats New Zealand 59. And then the shocker tonight, New Zealand 90 defeats Illawarra 67. So that form line thing can't be more embodied. Or oh, Illawarra did not have a good weekend, did they? No, they did not. Like As a Wildcats fan, I thought two out of three I'd be very happy with. I did not expect that only one loss to be Sydney. Well, no, and certainly not the way that it happened either. And indeed, that is the game we should have to talk about first because of the incident. Yeah, this is the big story of the week. I mean, there's been some great storylines, but unfortunately this one is a bit of a negative one of the biggest brain farts of all time, I oh, have to yeah, say. Yeah, not good at all. With Matty Hodgson. Seven minutes, seven left in the third quarter. We've still got no idea what caused this reaction, but Dayan Vasilievich has kind of nudged Matty Hodgson a couple of times and said something oh, to it's, him. It's got to be what, what was said. And it could have been it could have been death by a thousand cuts throughout the course of the match. Who knows? He might have they might have been sniping at one another all match long. Are you yeah. I haven't gone back and watched the footage, but it's definitely something that's been said. But you've also got to remember that Hodgson's not been able to come home to be with his partner. They've got a brand new kid. Yes. Well, so so funny. So I was watching this with my girlfriend and she's like, what kind of, what prompts that sort of reaction? And I said, whenever that sort of stuff happens in the footy and to a lesser extent, other sports like basketball, I can almost guarantee someone has said your mum, your wife or something to do with your kid. Yeah. So pretty much Hodgson's walked up to him Without changing the look on his face, his open face pushed slash slapped Vasilievich in the face. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a slap. Hey, it was almost like a... The second one was a bit of a slap. The yeah, first, okay, the yeah, first yeah. One was the a first push, one, yeah. yeah, it was almost like a... I don't know. I'm trying... There must be some video game character that does the... A new organ! Yeah, yeah, I wasn't... Yeah. It's kind of yeah. one of those. <laughs> right, you. Yeah. And so it kind of looks like Vasilievich has sort of egged him on to do it again. And sure enough, Hodgson's gone the full slap. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. I think he just stood up for himself. He's gone, uh, mate, I'm not backing down. You just smacked me in the face. I've seen some stuff online where people have said that he had said, do it again. Yeah, okay. And, and so the Sydney players have obviously come in from all directions. It nearly spilt into the crowd. They were. See, that's interesting. To, to take that bait is really bad. It is. If that is what he said. 
Yeah, wow. Okay. So, yeah, the fact that it has pretty much gone into the crowd, though, that's what a lot of people are saying. Oh, you know, that's the bad part, just as much as the slaps. Is yeah, taken. was there any real danger of the crowd getting involved, though? Well, also, whose fault was it that it went into the crowd? It's the Sydney players. Yeah, well, the ones... that's why a lot of the Sydney players were cited. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So the obvious question, and we're all speculating at this stage, it has gone directly to the tribunal. We know the results of four out of the five. The big one is Matt Hodson, which we'll come to in a second. Xavier Cook's got a $1,000 fine early plea down to seven fifty, dollars And Jarrell Martin, Wani Swakala Bullock, Jalen Adams all got 500 down to three seventy five. with I assume it's the early plea that is the reason. Early guilty plea, yeah. So Matt Hodson's released a statement. The Wildcats have released a statement. It's all your usual kind of shouldn't have done it, doesn't set a good precedent, isn't a good look. I was interested that he didn't mention the young fans, actually, because it's always we worry about when somebody think about the children. Like <laughs> the Simpsons quoted. But the question is, what's the right number? Because he's definitely going to go away for one at least. Well, there's three precedents that I could think of. And look, the one that seems to be doing the rounds everywhere is the Josh Childress elbow to the face on Jesse Wagstaff. Yep. Yep. So this goes back to 2014, I believe it was, and Wagstaff sets his back screen on him. I don't think Childress kind of realised that it was actually a pretty decent legal screen. It just unfortunately hit him high. Oh, it was such a cheap shot from Childress. And Childress has taken three steps and launched off the ground, elbowed him in the, the throat region whilst Wagstaff is shooting a floater while he's in the air as well. Oh, it's huge. And gets knocked to the ground. He received two weeks down to one. Yep. You also had in 2015, the Brian Conklin and Damian Martin incident. So Martin's trying to come around a screen. Conklin's turned in and dropped an elbow. In the last minute of a game, by the way. Yeah. A game which but was... Townsville was winning by 10 Over, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Conklin got nothing for that. And then the other one from this... I'll, I'll, on that one, sorry. I'm not... It's, it was a very bang-bang play. I think it was one of those ones that looked worse in replay than than it was, maybe. That's because you could see what Conklin's intent was, which was to well, turn him with the... I, yeah. I, I do not believe that there was anything... Yeah, other than and unfortunately that ruined Martin's season and, geez, the Wildcats might have had a really good shot at winning the championship if it weren't for that, but yeah. If, if only we'd won a championship yeah, between no, then and now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But then you've also got the one from earlier this season. So you've got the Mason Peatling push on Mitch Creekwell. Push, shoulder charge, whatever you want to call it, where... He's dunked all over. Hip and shoulder. Yeah. It's, a bit, it's a bit of a footy move, really. Yeah. yeah. So Creek's dunked all over Matthew Delavadova, sort of got in his face and yelled at him a bit. And then Peatling's just come in and, yeah, knocked him to the ground. Yep. So that was one match as well. And that's the key one, I think. How do you compare the two incidents? I mean, you can't. There just there isn't enough. The, the thing that I think will go against Hodgson is the second one. Yes. Yep. I agree with that. And I think that's probably the reason he'll get two games. Yep. I think it could be three down to two with an early play. I think any more than three, I, I think it should be two, actually. Anything more than two, I think, is outrageous. And okay, the 2014, 2015, that's a good seven, eight years ago now. Mm. So yes, they're precedents, but the league could argue times have changed. We're more worried about violence, this, that, and the other. So how much they can rely on those precedents, I don't know. I mean, you look at the two side by side, Childress's is world's way worse. worse. Way, yeah. way worse. It's not even close. Hmm. And he should have got a month probably for that minimum. Yeah. It's actually amazing he only got one game for that. Well, exactly. And, and go and check it on YouTube if you haven't seen it because it's pretty bad. And, and this is where I think that precedent sort of almost looks better for Hodgson is that, okay, yeah, it was eight years ago, but 
that was 10 times worse. I think they'll distinguish based on time past, though. Mm. I think they will. And how much... Three games is more than 10% of the season. Yeah. Do two kind of face pushes really deserve more than 10% of the season? Well, that's it. Vasiljevic played on. In fact, he barely looked like he got hit at all. He just had that look of like, really? Like, did you just do that? Like, that Oh, was- yeah. Well, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't injured. He he just enjoyed antagonizing and he yeah. knew he could take it further. Yeah. Yeah. We like to reflect rather than speculate, but the punishment is going to come down in the next day or so probably before we release this episode. So we'll reflect on it again. But we had to talk about it. So we were either right or incredibly wrong. Yes, indeed. Yes. Now, looking at this game as a whole, it kind of outlines a number of problems for Perth. And I sort of said at the top that this whole round just showed me how many teams have various different problems. Yet another poor start highlighted by the two most glaring issues with this team right now, rebounding and transition defense. Yep. No power forward. No traditional power forward. Yep. 47 to 31 rebound advantage for Sydney which, yeah, Sydney's a decent rebounding team, but they're certainly not the sort of team that should be, you know, nearly 50%. Well, both Martin and Cooks got in foul trouble. So two of their biggest guys, by the way, again, no Jordan Hunter, so they're missing height. Yep. Yeah, oh, they smashed smashed on the boards. Yeah. And this is the thing. All the turnovers, they all led to a lot of really easy transition baskets early. The transition defense, as I said, was woeful early. So once again, the Cats playing catch up. I think it's the fourth or fifth straight game with a double-digit deficit in the first quarter. Okay, they made a comeback late, got within four early in the fourth quarter, and it kind of looked like the Violet Crumbles were rearing their ugly heads yet again. And funnily enough, the Hodgson incident did kind of inspire the Wildcats to wake up a little bit, didn't it? Majuk Majuk took and hit his first three-pointer of his career. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Career was it? Well, yeah, yeah, career. So, you know, but this is the thing, like relying on those comebacks every single game, it's it's dangerous. Well, especially when you're playing all your games on the road. Yeah. You're going to run out of steam. Now, one of the other things I'm sort of noticing is that a lot of Perth's losses and the the teams that are running Perth close are teams that have defensively aggressive guards. So Wani Swakula Bullock, he won't get a heap of praise. But, man, he made Bryce Cotton work so hard. Oh, he will from me. I was devastated when the Wildcats lost him. Yeah. Very handy backup point guard. Very like, handy. Like, if you look at the box score, okay, Cotton scored 20. Took him 17 shots to do so. In this theme of what you miss, we missed mentioning his 150th game, by the way. Ah, true. And what a start to a career <laughs> it has been. Not but, bad. yeah, not a spectacular game, this one. No. And then looking at the other losses this season, we had a loss to Brisbane, loss to Adelaide, Nathan Sobey and Sunday Detch, yep. two of the better perimeter defensive players out there, guys who go and get it. So this is kind of a thing that we're seeing is that a lot of teams are throwing these really aggressive guards at Bryce Cotton and it kind of throws him out. You could say ditto the likes of Xavier Cooks with the work that he did on Vic Law, 16 shots for 20 points. The stat line won't show it, but I think he actually probably played Law to pretty close to a tie. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I I thought he did some good things. The foul trouble is what what hurt him. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously Jalen Adams was spectacular. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, geez, he he's a very strong MVP candidate. Yeah, the trajectory up has been oh, yeah. massive. He's had a great couple of weeks. And I think the thing that impressed me the most, okay, yeah, the 30 points is really impressive, but I think it was the nine assists. Because let's be honest, he takes a lot of shots. That's just the way it is. But he's getting teammates involved. Vasiljevic made some shots. Sean Bruce made some shots. Yes, yeah. Shout out to Sean Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Joseph. And put simply, though, this is what pisses me off about the Sydney Kings. This version of the Sydney Kings can contend for a championship. They don't even need another import. But 
then you look at it and you say they're equal money to lose to Tasmania this Friday. Well, Tassie, yeah, winning games. How good was Scott Roth and the crowd? Well, yeah, we will talk about oh, Tassie. So good. We will talk about it. Yeah, but yeah. Sydney need this effort week in, week out, no matter who they're playing. We've already seen that, you know, Tassie will out effort teams as well. So oh, of course. If- well, that's one of the things that they have to rely on. Hmm. Yeah. So if they go into that game half ass, it could be on. Mm. It could be on. Oh, of course. A couple of other issues for Perth as well. I mean, going back to the rebounding, it's going to be even harder without Hodgson for a couple of games. Okay, Hodgie hasn't had a great season so far, but... Well, he's also handy to get some inside points. It's good when they... Like, he has some post moves. It's good when they establish him early. Like, he had a couple of really nice hook shots fairly early in that Sydney game. I think it's it's a really good way of opening up Cotton too. Is by so yeah, it's another inside presence on both ends of the court. It's huge, yeah. it's huge. So yeah, I think this is where the time comes to really look at trying to get a four in there. We've thrown his name out there that many times. Friend of the show, Cody Ellis. <laughs> he can play some four. He can get <laughs> some boards. Congrats to him on getting the Hoops Heaven basketball podcast yep. gig as well. Yep, looking yeah. forward to hearing that. Absolutely, should be, should be great. So check it out if you haven't already. Now the other big issue is Michael Fraser. Yep. We've defended him as much as we can. You mean more so than you, I think? Yeah, I think so. And look, Frazier is a decent rebounder, but... Well, on my grounds, it's his defense is partly why I've defended him because I think he does do a lot of things that the box score doesn't show. I think he's a bit of an eye test guy on the defensive end. But he's also not a great transition defender. Well, I think you've said the whole team has had problems with the transition. Yeah, but this is one of those things. He's, you know, I'm not even sure if he missed the Sydney game because his ankles were still broken from freaking Antonius (laughs) Cleveland the other day. (laughs) But this third spot from the imports or even for an Australian, it needs to be someone similar to Nick Kay or John Mooney, someone who can rebound someone who can stretch the floor and shoot well. I mean, Frazier's not really done much and he's missed quite a lot of games. I hate to say it, Brandon Ashley would have been a perfect pickup for the Wildcats, like when the Phoenix got him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, shooting 24% from three, he's leading the team in turnovers. He's missed nearly half the game. So I I just can't take it anymore. But the problem is no one's available because... COVID. COVID. Yeah, well, this Hodgson stretch, whatever it is, be it one game, be it four, however many it will be, is going to really test that. And it's going to stretch the Wildcats almost to breaking point. So at risk of this being the Perth show, we know the 40th anniversary team is coming up soon for the Wildcats. We are fans. We are from Perth. We'll cover that next time. There's plenty of other interesting things going on. Also, Luke Travers put the three-pointer away. One of 17 from the season. Yeah. Put it away. Yeah. But let's, let's talk a little bit about Adelaide. Indeed. Very intriguing weekend for them. They got outworked, outplayed massively by Tassie, and then they knock off the ladder leaders. It, it makes no sense. Well, and not only that, they knock off the ladder leaders with Dusty Hannah's kind of being buried on the bench, and then he came back to save them in regulation and overtime. It was incredible. It was a great effort. He was just hitting shots left, right, and centre. And, and let's, I mean, let's also keep in mind as well, this Melbourne United game, they got nine points combined from Matthew Delvadova and Chris Golding. That's, yeah. One of 24 shooting between the I two. I know, yeah. A Golding, not good. Yeah. And it and it still took that crazy sideways fading three from Dusty Hannes to send it to overtime. After they led by 10 at three-quarter time, they were up six points with five and a half minutes to go and let United go on this 10-1 run before that three. They led by eight points with under two minutes left in overtime, and it took a free-throw line jumper from Kay Soto to ice it. Of all people, yeah. And that's also not taking into account that Caleb Agata had eight points on two of seven, so three of 31 from, I know. Their, from their big three. And yet still nearly one. Still nearly one. So, yeah, we we haven't given them enough credit, and even when they lose, they they 
nearly win. This, this, <laughs> this is it. This is it. So I guess, you know, the, the questions for Adelaide, look, there's a lot of questions. I mean, obviously we know Isaac Humphreys is injured. That's a massive, massive loss. Oh, massive. Absolutely it is. But I think for me... The, and Bairstow's played very well in his place. Well, he's had to. Yeah, yeah, he's, he has He's had he's to, to because yeah. they've got nothing from Todd it's Withers. It's still astonishing he was not signed by... Like, why didn't, why didn't the Wildcats get him needing a big? Why didn't the Jack Jumpers try and get him? I mean, maybe they did. I don't know, but... Yeah, yeah, that's that was a that's just about signing of the year. <laughs> it, well, it's certainly looking that underrated way. Underrated signing. The, of the, the year. way that he's gobbling up rebounds, and it's and it's so funny because he's on the same team as Mitch McCarron, who I think everyone had as the signing of the yes, offseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's yep. been not scoring enough. Eh. But again, he's very much an eye test guy. He's very much a, like Damian Martin. These players that if you look at the box score, you might go, eh, but if you watch the game, you're like, eh, he had a pretty good impact. So for me, look, the, the issue is obviously still with the imports. Todd Withers, he looked good against United. 17 points before he fouled out. He's not terrible. He's just streaky. That's the problem. But he had three points and four rebounds against Tasmania yeah. the game before. Six of their 10 games so far, he's failed to reach double figures. Hasn't had more than five rebounds in a game since the second game of the season. Well, he, he embodies the whole league, in a sense. Consistently inconsistent. Mm. There's no form line. Crappy teams are beating good teams. Good teams are, like... Struggling to score 60 points in a game, it just it defies belief. It is, it is weird. And then you look at Dusty Hanna. I mean, shit. I, I don't. Do you know what to make of this guy? Uh, he. Do you know what? It's he just just enough to keep to hold on. That's that's kind of how I've been feeling about it. Is yeah. that you'll have a couple of yeah, games from him, and you'll think, oh, maybe they should get rid of Hanna's, and then it'll be like, oh wow, he had 22 points and well, money in the bank. He just beat Melbourne. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so that's just bought him another month. Probably. probably has. So he's probably here for the season, I suspect. But the fact that he's coming off the bench, and I mentioned this last week, like, is he, I mean, obviously hypothetical, but is he having issues with CJ Bruton? Is he one of these guys where they just legitimately think that he should be playing with the second unit? Yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of starting isn't everything. Mm. And it's just as much about how you finish as it is about how you start. Mm. So you can still get good minutes off the bench. So I don't think that's necessarily... I mean, that that is maybe a good coaching strategy to try and get him going, to get him being that number one guy with the second unit. So I don't I don't have a major problem with that. Yeah. But one thing I will note about that Melbourne United game, everyone sort of told, oh, he had such a great game, you know, send it overtime, it was brilliant. He had a great quarter in overtime. Exactly. Or he had a great, not, like, not, seven not, minutes. Not even. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He had 11 points in, yeah. over, in overtime and last possession of yeah. regulation. Yep. If he gives us that overtime Dusty or the NBL Blitz Dusty, that's a borderline all-NBL guy. They need that every game from him. They do. Or certainly more than one out of every three. So, yeah, again, I mean, Adelaide I don't see as a team that's going to be threatening for the top four, but, God, if they can just get consistency out of him, it's a tough place to play. I think with Perth not really being an issue and New Zealand not being an issue in terms of games being played, Adelaide's probably almost the biggest trip for, well, certainly for the Queensland. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 so, yeah. yeah. So. And, and look, given some of those issues, teams like Adelaide and Brisbane, teams on the bubble, will be saying, hey, it's now or never. These are great opportunities to make the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. So when when some of the better teams are on their back foot like Perth, you've got, you've got to take the ball by the horns. Yep. So on the flip side, Melbourne United, they're probably still the benchmark. Well, given that huge streak and a loss that felt like a win, yes, absolutely they are. Mm. Yeah. So they beat Brisbane, as I mentioned. They were actually up for the game this week, Brisbane. So that was uh, that was kind of good to see. Really good game to start the round. 
Then obviously we mentioned they lost to Adelaide, but we saw that they can actually still be competitive even without their big players. Yeah, and that's spine. huge, huge. Now we've heard the Jack White Andrew Vlahov comparisons. I quite like that. But it's at fourteen and six against Brisbane, eighteen and eleven versus Adelaide. He looks like he's going to be a stud. JLA was big, 23 and 12 against the 36ers. Mason Peatling giving him good minutes off the bench. They're as elite a squad as I think we've seen in this league in a long, long time. But I'll, I'll be honest, I underestimated Melbourne's depth. Obviously, no guys like Shaili, but Huck Porty has been excellent. And I did like him in the Blitz, but I didn't know if that would translate to the regular season. He's still an unknown. Even David Oquera was really good at the start of the season when they had some injuries as well. So they're super deep, Melbourne. But, so no, they are the benchmark, yeah. definitely. Now, I just want to talk about a couple of things quickly that kind of caught my attention from the Brisbane game. Melbourne United had Matthew Delavadova guarding Lamar Patterson in the first quarter. If I'm Patterson, I'm offended by that. Like, deeply offended by that. Well, forget the offence. Take him down low. You've got to punish him. Well, and this is the thing. Like, Delhi's okay, he's deceptively tall. He's a metre 90. I didn't actually realise he's only a couple of inches shorter than Patterson. But Patterson's got him by 10 kilos. Oh, huge. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been surprised if you'd said 15. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm him, I'm getting into the post and clearing out a side Absolutely. and saying, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Oh, yeah. I'm backing you down. And and if they double, I'm kicking out to Kadee, Sobe, Franks, these guys. I'm feeling pretty confident. Although these defensive guards, Mitch Norton did some good things against Duop Reith when he was found himself on him in those Illawarra games. Well, Duop Reith, to be fair, is in a pretty poor... Well, yeah, <laughs> he's, poor a, he's a bit underdone. He's yeah. in a slump, He's yeah. injured, yeah. But do you honestly think if he, they tried that shit on Vic Law, Vic would take it? Hell no. He'd be, oh, Vic's, he'd, he's, he's in the post every single play. Absolutely. His hand would be up straight away. Yeah. Yep. Now, the second one, the unsportsmanlike foul. Yeah, well, I said three or four weeks ago that they're too trigger happy on this. and uh, So Matthew Delavadova, coming back after, I think it was a defensive stop, he's given a tiny little shove to Lamar Patterson coming back on defense. And Jackie Dover, I believe it was, has called an unsportsmanlike foul. On replay, I think the crew downgraded it to a common foul out of just pure embarrassment. Well, they had to, yeah. This is something you would never call in a million years. And like, it's just another one of these examples of the league going over the top with these bullshit calls. Well, this stuff hurts the league. This stuff makes people switch off. Yeah. So they got to be really careful. Yep. Ironically, the, the Hodgson stuff probably makes people switch on. Yes. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but we yeah. don't condone it, though. No, no, of course not. No, 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 no. And just quickly, did you see the two shots that Brisbane took to try and tie this game? Playing horse, Joey. They basically were. They, these are two of the worst shots you could possibly come up with to tie a game. Like a wild up and under reverse that missed the ring by about three feet from Sobe. And then a rebound from Drimmick, who has Chris Goulding on his back. Instead of going up strong, he just throws it over his shoulder. It's terrible. Panicking. Yeah. It's terrible. Yep. So, yeah. And I, look, I didn't see much of the, the Brisbane Southeast Melbourne game, but from what I saw, Brisbane looked hideous defensively turned the ball over far too many times and gave up too many points off turnovers. Well, and after we've seen Franks' praises, he's had a couple of rough games. But, you know, again, he's entitled to a, a rough one every now and then. Yeah, but at home. Yeah. To, yeah. To worry when I mean, yeah, you, you look, you rely on your imports to, to do the omens work. And when they don't, chances are you'll lose. Mm, he's doing the nomen's work. Hey, I see what yeah. you did there. Now, Illawarra, got to talk about them. Quick follow-up to last week. The exact same questions are lingering for me. The thing that amazes me, Stewie, is that, okay, the Wildcats, so there was two games against the Wildcats within a couple of nights. Mm -hmm. The Wildcats went in and won the first one. Great job. The fact that Illawarra didn't bounce back for that 
is disappointing and concerning. Really disappointing and concerning. There were almost there were some similarities. Did they not learn from that first loss? No, clearly not. Uh, oh, it's yeah, I'd be a little bit worried. Well, it's funny you say that because I've kind of got a couple of comparisons to make between the two games. So Tyler Harvey shot terribly again. Justinian Jessup shot pretty average again. Antonius Cleveland was a beast and didn't get enough of the ball. And if you also look at the numbers, Duop Reith was pretty average as well. So I would like to see them use Cleveland more too. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll, I can kind of back that up with the numbers. So Duop Reith, one of eight in the first game, two of 11 in the second game. So horrendous. You, yeah. You wonder if that injury is knocking him about from last week. But, but they, they can't leave him out because they got no players on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> I've been saying this for weeks. Well, if, yeah. Well, AJ Ogilvie can get some minutes, but AJ Ogilvie played like three minutes at the end of tonight's game against New Zealand when the game was already over. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed he hasn't got a little bit more. And Isaac White, I think, played three minutes in the second quarter. Right. So well, it might have been the first, but it was early in the game. But again, Harvey, six of 18 from the field in the first game, five of 18 in the second game. If a guy is shooting that poorly, mix it up. Because if you look at the, the other game that they played against Cairns, and I will say this, the Cairns game means nothing to me. Nothing. Cairns had to give 30 minutes to Jared Kenny and Bull Kowal because they've got no one in their team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stephen Zimmerman is barely good enough to be a backup center in this league. Uh, like, I, I would honestly love to know how many shots he's missed from inside two feet with, <laughs> with no pressure. I would take Jack, I'd take Jack Salt over him. I would oh, take, yeah, yeah. I'd I would take too. Dane Pinner. I would take freaking Oliver Hayes oh, Pino's, Brown. Pino's decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, but, we might see more of Hayes Brown with thoughts and that's it. imminent but, odds. But none of these guys are starters in the league. Yeah. I would take them all over Zimmerman. So that game means nothing to me. Like, they, he should have been getting 15 points just off pick and roll dunks. So yeah. Anyway, I, I don't. It, it's frustrating. When they you, should be better, and and they they sometimes ruin really good defensive effort. Like they're menaces in the passing lane, and they're so long and athletic. Yep. They just can't string it together for a full game. But I actually found the perfect sequence from that Cairns game of why Tyler Harvey frustrates me so much, and why he should be dominating this league. So one possession, he breaks down a defender, scores really easily on a floater. And I've said before, his floater game is elite. Oh, yeah. It's it's his go-to. It's it's interesting he's not using it as much this season, but he was dominating last season with it. And then the next time he touches the ball, he gets Keanu Pinder switched onto him and settles for one of his bullshit step-back fadeaway threes, and he gets blocked. And then to make matters worse, Pinder, three seconds later, gets a breakaway dunk because he doesn't get back on defense. Mm. So like that's the sort of thing where I look at, I think, Illawarra should be dominating. Well, and Gorge wouldn't put up with that shit. Or shouldn't. Well, but he is though. Well, I mean, because he's yeah. not, because he said two games ago, oh, I'm gonna mix up. I'm gonna. Yeah, start, yeah, yeah. I start mentioned it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They got fucking nine points off their bench today. Yeah. Xavier Rathan Mays was the only guy that scored. They got twelve minutes out of friggin' Tim Conrad and got no points, and then they got three minutes out of out of Isaac White and AJ Ogilvie. They really, really, really need to figure out what the fuck they want to be. Well, Stewie, when the whole team only gets sixty-seven, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, but like, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, like if you're struggling, here's a thought: make some subs. Get some of those bench players in. Get some energy. Guys that want to prove that they belong on the court there. I just I don't understand it. And put it in Cleveland's hands more. Yes. And more often. Absolutely. Yep. All right, let's get to a positive. The Tassie yep. Jack Scott jumpers. Roth. Woo! Oh, that just that raw emotion. This is what I was saying at the start of the season where I said that he would be great for kind of the 
pumping up the brand, the culture, yeah. yeah, the culture, getting getting the the fans involved, getting him in the media, like yeah, fantastic. They're a game and a half out of the playoffs at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. They've got a two-game winning streak, which is the first time they've done that since they've been back in the league. He's getting these guys believing they belong. He has them working. Like it's this is one of these things, and we always said this: Tassie are not going to beat anyone on talent, not a single team. Maybe Cairns. Yeah, well, at the moment, yes. It's good to see McVeigh getting a bit more of a go. He should have been getting more of a go from day one, in my opinion. He's just such an important microwave guy. The crowd would love him. He he feeds off the crowd. So, yeah, good to see him playing more too. And I think it's maybe no coincidence with a couple of victories. Exactly. So if we look at the Adelaide game, they hassled the living shit out of the 36ers. They forced him into 24 turnovers for the match and three of 17 from three. 14 steals, and they got 28 points off their turnovers. You're not going to lose too many games with numbers like that. No. Uh, like, these are all guys, as I say, with chips on their shoulders. They're not big enough. They're not talented enough. Well, Magne still has more to give, too. So, and he's actually started. Well, he's yeah. Well, they need him to. And, yeah. and again, it's no coincidence because he's a big piece. But you're starting to see that chemistry. Josh Majet has actually started throwing lobs to him. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. He should be getting one a quarter. But Minimum. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No, Majet had a good week. He, he did. Well, yeah. especially against New Zealand, he had seven threes, 22 yeah. points for the game. He's dropping dimes now as well. The decision-making just seems to be slowly starting to get better. Still one of the worst shooting actions I reckon I've ever seen. But <laughs> Well, you know. That was saying, ain't how. plenty of guys. Exactly. It's how many? Yeah. Delhi's not a great. <laughs> well, exactly. Right. As yeah. you mentioned the other week. Yeah. So, so yeah, look, this is this is one of these, these games where you looked at the breakers and you thought it's going to be a long season. They just, you know, you can handle a team losing, but when the effort isn't there, that's when it kind of destroys your confidence as a playing group and as a fan base. And you feel for them because things go south pretty quick when you've lost a couple and when you're not going to get a home game or home cooking or see your partner and your family and friends and whoever it might be that helps lift you up between games, you know? So yeah. It's no surprise, but then they come out and beat Illawarra. So anything can happen. And and this is it. I mean, you look at the Tassie game, there's there's the same questions. Where's Finn Delaney? Two points, three boards in 28 minutes. Where's Will McDowell-White? Okay, six rebounds and seven assists, but he had five shots for the game and made one three-pointer. And I feel like a broken record, but I've been saying this about Delaney nearly since round one. And you were starting to look at the backups as well. You know, Kyron Galloway, Rasmus Bark. They're showing glimpses and, and you're thinking, oh God, you know, they're both of them under two points a game for the entire season. And then, as you say, the form line flips on its head and they come out and absolutely pummel Illawarra. Well, it just goes to show that no one is out of the race. Well, no, this is it. Even New Zealand, who, okay, yes, their margin for error is smaller than any other team. But you mentioned Tassie. Okay, I've still, I don't, I no, still don't think some of these teams, but who knows? Who knows? Keep getting those wins. Anything can happen. And, and it was such a simple formula for New Zealand. Pick and roll with Yanni Wetzel. I've been calling for this. Oh, he's season. been a base this season. Yeah. And what happens? They switch the smaller guards onto him and Tyler Harvey can't guard him inside. Oh, God, no. Simple lob inside and he's getting whatever he wants. Yeah. The pressure was up like a thousand percent. They were actually getting in the passing lanes. They were pressuring guys, bringing the ball up the court. They got countless turnovers and countless deflections. You had Galloway, three blocks in the first half. He was getting inside and getting dunks. It was just, I'm a big rep for him. 
even Jiang looked interested. He had a three early in, I think, the third quarter, punted up to a 20-point game. Well, so, you know he's going to launch him. That's all he does. Yeah, and then Will McDowell-White showed up. So this is one of these things where, again, you just you say if this team in New Zealand can put in the same sort of effort that Tasmania does, they can make some noise. They just haven't seen it so far. The best thing about this game, though, was Hugo Besson's pants. Well, I, I, I say pants, his shorts. I didn't say it. He was wearing John, John Stockton shorts. Well, he's been in the news. It, well, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So we'll just say he was wearing bassons then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were uh, they were short then. They were really short. Illawarra, for all their love, are now only one game above 500. They could drop below this weekend, conceivably. I mean, all the love everyone's giving them. I'm, I've been the one putting my yeah, hand Yeah, no, up. no, no. Yeah, yeah, you have. Saying, I'm, like, I'm legitimately worried about Illawarra. Yep. No, they, no, it's the proof's in the pudding. Like, Duop Reef has not been... I think he's had one good game in the last four. Yeah, I, I, again, I suspect he's, he's banged up. He's, yeah, he's yeah, injured. Yeah. But, but the thing is, take the time off. Well, they have the big stocks. Well, They've got both Frolings and AJ Ogilvy. And, and this is it. Harry Froling played three minutes today. After going nuts the other week and hitting all those threats. Three minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a bit weird. You can't have him sitting on the bench for 36 and a half minutes of a 40-minute game. It, it just... You can't. Like, as much love as Gorgian gets for, for being this amazing all-time GOAT coach. Well, the wins and losses and the championships help. I don't think he's been doing a very good job at all this season. The the rotations, the lack of getting this bench involved. Well, I mean, there's very few rotations because the starters are playing. But this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I think... That's a very interesting one to watch. I think this is a real problem for Illawarra. And if they don't do something about it soon... There's every possibility that Sydney or Brisbane or even Adelaide could potentially... Oh, Sydney, Sydney could jump them this weekend. Easily. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Illawarra, I worry. I say it every week, but I worry. Yeah, well, justifiably. Now, speaking of worried, how worried are we, Nathan, about this rumour around the wildcard round? Uh, yes. So we forgot to talk about it last week. We did see it on overtime. Cam Luke is a big proponent of it. I think Homicide was into it too. We are on Liam Santa Maria's side. We value the regular season. We don't like the idea of everyone getting a trophy. Okay, yes, if you opened up a wild card, it would mean that half the league could potentially make the playoffs. It's not as bad as the NBA where it's 20 out of 30 teams. But, but, but they won't because the wild card person that loses doesn't make the playoffs. Well, I don't know. It's kind of a play-in. It's playoff. It's like a purgatory playoff kind yeah. of. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that the NBA doesn't see it as a playoff game, but... So will the NBL. Well, uh, but just don't... Do we need to play it? The NBL, like, any team can have a bad game on a bad night. We have seen seasons where the team in fourth place is below 500. Do we really want two teams below 500 having a shot? And again, it punishes the team in first seed because they're the last team to find out their opponent. You're meant to get the benefit of being number one seed. Can you imagine conceivably the Wildcats never play another home game, finish top, and then have to... Well, it's not going to happen this season, I guess. I don't like it. I don't like it. We have series. Okay, yes, the first round is three games and the second round is five games. But for a very long time in the NBL, the playoffs have been series. I like the regular season counting for something. Mm. I like four out of 10 teams making the playoffs. It's a good thing. There's also an issue around fairness, though. So let's use Perth as the example because they're playing all of their games away. Let's say Perth finishes fourth and then has to play Sydney in Sydney 
for the right to make the playoffs that they've already technically qualified made. for. Yeah, in any other season. Yeah. Because they can't fly back to Perth to play it. And yes, I'll put up my hand and I'll acknowledge that the Wildcats streak did have the benefit of this. Did it happen one season when Rick Burton was the commissioner in the early 2000s? Well, they, maybe it was yeah, mid. They, they but expanded that. Yeah, year. yeah. So, yes, it's happened before, but they put the kibosh on it pretty quick. It only lasted one season. Because it was shit. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't so, like yeah. It. I, I mean, okay, yes. A one-off game between Sydney or Brisbane and Illawarra and Perth would be kind of fun, but, yeah, I just... Well, we have the season. That's it. They're the one-off they're, games. They're cheapening the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I don't like cheapening the playoffs and potentially even the champion. So, we like to have a bridge between NBL and NBA, should we? Yeah, well, we've actually got a couple this we week. We do, we do. So we've got little bridges parallel to each other across the same Well, and WNBL and WNBA for that matter too, yeah. actually. Yeah. So the first one which has been doing the rounds is this whole Aaron Baines story. And uh, I know I've learned a lot more about this whole situation. Yeah, it's really life. sad, isn't it? it, it goes, All because a bloke needs to go to the dunk. Yeah. Oh. It goes back to the Olympics and this moment that kind of changed everything for Baines. So we all kind of knew that he'd had this accident. But I don't think a lot of us really understood the the real details and, and the extremity of it. How bad it was, yeah. So he's rushed off to the bathroom before the fourth quarter of the game between Boomers and Italy. Which was a close one. Which was a very close one. In fact, one. the Boomers might have even been down at three-quarter time in that one. Well, it was, but, it was close. And, yeah. he, and he'd run off because he didn't want to miss much of it. I mean, he was a really important player in that game. And the team. But he never emerged. Yep. And the doctors went and checked on him and found that he'd collapsed in the locker room with a wound in his upper arm. But the strangest thing about it all was that he he basically had said, look, I, I blacked out. I haven't actually gone to the toilet yet. I need to go. And he tried to stand up and couldn't walk. Oh, it's terrifying. Terrifying. And, and look, Baines's uncle is actually a quadriplegic. Yeah. So yeah. he knows about this thing firsthand. Yeah. And... Uh, like I didn't know about this until I read this really great article by Brian Windhorse on ESPN. Baines had actually lost his grip on the ring warming up against Nigeria earlier in the, the series and landed on his head and his neck. So there's no real, like we don't know whether that played a part in what happened. If you like, whether it's a maybe cumulative, a, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a delayed reaction potentially. Well, hey, if he blacked out, he, he might have had a concussion. Mm. But what he actually ended up with was internal bleeding that put pressure on his spinal cord. This is really serious. He dealt with nerve pain. He couldn't stand up. After the boomers won bronze, the doctors would only actually allow a team doctor and an athletic trainer to see him. So oh, this is where it gets real good. So Matthew Delavadova and Nathan Sobey pretended to be those two people yeah, just yep. so they could visit him and bring his medal. But That's a nice touch. Like It took him until his 11th day before he was back on his feet. He was finally then able to take a flight back to Brisbane, albeit lying down and anaesthetised the whole way. Yeah. He had to quarantine for two weeks, so he still could, oh. couldn't even see his family. Oh. And it's taken nearly six months to get him back to some semblance of normalcy. Yep. He's just turned 35, which I did not realise. The NBA dream is still there, but I tell you what, the door it's, is shutting. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's touch and go. It, it is. And I would encourage anyone to take the time to go, oh, on, great article. go and read that article by Brian yep. Windhorse. It is really, really interesting, the depth that it goes into and, and a lot of the details that, as I said, hadn't really been brought to light until now. And you know, great to see Bainsey out at NBL games over the weekend. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Very, very good. And Brian Windhorst, it's crazy to think, he's now an NBA and I guess international basketball veteran. He is a veteran, yeah. So he came in with LeBron, basically. So he followed LeBron around in high school and college, which kind of opened the door for him for ESPN. 20-odd years. I mean, we know how long LeBron's been around now. Like, crikey. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, good, good to hear Windy. Uh, interesting and unfortunate nickname, but it's definitely yeah. worth reading that article. I believe it's pronounced windy. <laughs> it's, not, it's not what they say on ESPN. No. <laughs> now, uh, the, the other bridge is really, really cool. Lauren Jackson. Well, I've got one too. Do you? I do. All right, well, you go then. Well, it's in my theme of what'd you miss. Kiefer Sykes had some really good games for Indiana, former NBL player. So good to see him going well. Yep. We've mentioned a lot of other blokes. I don't know if we mentioned him. Unfortunately, We've talked about Cam Oliver. Yeah, and Jay Sean Tate, those sorts of guys. Yeah, yep. What's happened to Didi Lozada? He must. Well, be trapped, I was always a bit. I wasn't in the G League. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now this other really cool story that's come out today: Lauren Jackson coming out of retirement to play for the Albury Wodonga Bandits in the NBL One East. Now, if anyone is wondering, Jackson is actually from Albury, so it makes perfect sense that she would be playing there. Apparently, she's dropped 17 kilos to get into proper game shape. God, I wish I could do that. <laughs> There's also talk of a possible return to the Ovals team. Any thoughts on that? Oh, look, I don't think age matters. I think if she's good enough to play, just like this is how I feel about Paddy Mills. If he's still good enough to play at the next Olympics, if he's good enough to play at the following Olympics, I don't really mind. Like, if she's good enough, and obviously we may never see Liz Cambage again in an Opals jersey. So, yeah, if she's good, great. I love it for Opals basketball. I mean, she's a national treasure. She ran the American, well, I say she, the, the Opals ran the Americans close in a couple of Olympics led by her. Liz Cambage, she's done with the Opals. There's no way she's it's coming back. It's very hard to see her coming back from here, yeah. So for me, I, I love not just the fact that she's a great addition as a player, but also an amazing mentor for Ezzy Magbagor. Yep, absolutely. She continues to develop into a superstar. Lauren can teach her post moves, you know, help her refine her jump shot. The professionalism stuff, yep. Yeah, and just yep. continue to dominate defensively. So I, I hope she plays till she's 50. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. If she's still, I mean, it's a brave new world. Tom Brady only just retired in his, well, nearly is late. It, is it confirmed? Well, yes, it is. No, actually, I, no, I know yeah. it is. I'm just taking the piss. So let's get into some NBA, Nath. The All-Star starters have been announced. Yep, as I mentioned at the top there, a J-pop sensation has helped get one of them in, in well, controversial. Yeah. Do you, want to, do you want to go through, I guess, the, the obvious ones first? Yeah. So the Eastern Conference, really straightforward. Front court guys, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and then Trey Young and DeMar DeRozan in the backcourt. I would fight anyone who challenges that five. Yeah, and obviously Durant's unfortunately injured, but of course, I mean... Open and shut case. Yeah. Like, you could make the smallest of small cases for Jason Tatum, but who are you going to draw? No. Yeah. No one. No. So, yeah, I, I think that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, okay. I know their record isn't spectacular, but there's a big bunch of teams in the East. Not much separates pretty high from pretty low. Mm. I, I wonder if some of that Tatum-Brown stuff is a bit overblown. But, yeah, no, you can't argue with those three no. at all. No way. Not even close. In the West, so the backcourt, pretty straightforward. Ja Morant and Steph Curry. I think that makes sense. Two guys. That oh, of course. Probably yeah, the yeah. top 10 in the MVP. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the front court: Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, and Andrew Wiggins. And here's where J-pop comes in. Yeah, this was really weird. So K-pop star Bam Bam. Oh, sorry. I've been saying J-pop. J-pop, K-pop. I listen to metal. I don't know what the fuck this is. Korea, not Japan. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't I didn't. That will come off as racist. It's not racist. It's just because I don't give a shit about that music. It was a typo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> well, the K and the J are right next to okay, each other. Okay, but I'm not reading off notes, but yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there's this K-pop star, Bam Bam. He's tweeted his support for Wiggins and received 68,000 likes while being retweeted 40,000 times. Yeah. The power of the K-pop 
community is apparently just insane. Oh, and he's done his job. So I don't have a problem with him because he's been brought on board to be a team ambassador. So that's fine. Mm -hmm. The problem isn't with him. The problem is with the system because it's really interesting. So I don't know if you heard, but I was listening to The Low Post and he was talking to, I want to say Kevin Pelton. And they were kind of talking about fringe all-star guys. And Pelton mentioned Wiggins and like... Low shot him down like in his tracks. He's like, no, no, don't even, don't even go there. He absolutely does not deserve to be in the team, mm. let alone the starting five. And he actually favoured Dejounte Murray. But yeah, so that that's what makes it even more interesting. Like, forget starting five. A lot of the experts are saying he shouldn't even be in the team, and he's had a good season. Yeah, he's not a terrible player. But is he an all star? But this is the thing. If you look at his numbers, I mean, he's averaging, I think it's eighteen points, maybe four rebounds, and a couple of assists. DeJounte Murray's at 19, 8 and 8 at the moment, I yep. think it is. Yep, so, getting steals and blocks too and shooting at a decent clip. Yep. Yeah, and, and look, Wiggins has been a lockdown defender this season. He's been really, really good as a, as a 2 He's improved, player. yeah. yeah. But, but Murray's a better defender too. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> but it's the, maybe it's the record, but yeah. But it's, it's not even Murray that comes into the equation as far as the starting gig. No, yes, this, that's this a different thing. Yeah, yeah. For me, there's only one option. It's Carl Anthony Towns. 24 points a game, nine rebounds, three assists, a steal and a block, 50, 40, 80 clip he's shooting as well. Far superior numbers in all of those counting stats to what Wiggins has. The only thing that Wiggins leads is three-point shooting, and he's only just got him there. Like Towns is a seven-footer, and he's shooting 40.5% from three. And we've talked about it before, what he's gone through with multiple family members dying of COVID. He's had a really impressive season. He has. Yeah, yeah. And I hate that the fans get to vote because so many of them are just these fucking idiots that vote for whatever bandwagon team. Oh, of course. Like a prime example, going back to 1994, BJ Armstrong voted in as the starting guard. He was the leading vote getter in the Eastern Conference for guards. Yeah. Ahead of Mark Price, ahead of Isaiah Thomas. Oh, there's a myriad of guys. Yeah. And this is the thing. Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumas didn't even make the East squad while fucking BJ Armstrong starting because everyone hated the bad boys. I think this is yet another example of why they need to drop the percentage that the fan vote counts for. Okay, it's fun. Yeah. But, I mean, look what happens. You've got a guy, and and don't get me wrong. Even some of the player votes were fucked up, to be honest. Like, guys that have been on 10-day contracts have got a vote. Yep. So, I don't know, maybe it should all be coaches and media. Look, do you know the one positive I will say for Wiggins? The All-Star game is a perfect kind of game for him. He's dunks, a, yeah, he's a guy yeah, who dunks yeah. really well. Yeah, he shoots, and he shoots the three really well. Yeah, so he's going to have a blast. In his, oh yeah, yeah. He's going to. He'll make the most of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, the system. But the thing is, like, if they were happy to push Zaza Pachulia out when he was involved in that crazy, and when everyone in Georgia and all the Warriors fans were voting for him, it was like 2015 or something or 2016. Well, yeah. I think there was enough of a groundswell for people to get on their bikes and vote for other people yeah. to push him out of it. So yeah. it was done by legitimate means. But yeah. yeah. It's it's a worry. And look, I, I really hope that somebody really worthy like a DeJounte Murray or potentially a Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Or in the East, a guy like DeMar Rosen. Great to see him in the team in the starters. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You just hope that guys that are legitimately all-stars this season don't miss out. And if there are some big snubs, like... As I well, there's always snubs. This is the thing. But, but if, if you so, if you someone, put in a guy who doesn't deserve to be there, there's going to be multiple snubs. That's what I'm saying. If yeah. some, if somebody like a Murray or a Gilgis Alexander or a Zach Levine or one of those guys misses out somehow, yep, and Wiggins is in, that's when it's going yeah, to yeah. really cause an uproar. But yeah, congratulations to him anyway. Like, well played. 
I do wish we had a little bit more time to talk about this one, Nate, but geez, we've got to very quickly mention the one of the craziest games, certainly of this season, but certain, certainly also of probably the last decade. And the, the cardiac kids, because they've done it multiple times this season. So the LA Clippers, without Paul George, without Kawhi Leonard, without Marcus Morris, and basically without Serge Barker, trailed Washington 66-31 to 31 in Washington and won the game. It's nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. This is after Washington was on the wrong end of that coach touch yeah, controversy true. with Brooklyn, Brooklyn too. Yes. Yeah, yep. yeah. And what makes this even crazier is that they were still down by seven points with 20 seconds left. And they somehow managed to yeah, I saw it on Sports Center. Just yeah. make this comeback in the last 20 seconds and a four-point play to Luke Kennard. I, I don't understand how he even got the shot up. I mean, they were trying to foul him like crazy before oh. he went up. They didn't call it. And stupidly, they kept fouling him. Yeah. And eventually, they called the one on while, a shot. while he's going up. Yep. Four-point play. Yep. So according to ESPN Stats and Info, entering this game over the past 20 seasons, teams trailing by seven or more points with less than 20 seconds remaining in regulation were 1 and 16,239. I liked that tweet uh, at Sport Blokes. Check it out. Yes, that's, I mean... Wow. The, the only team to win was the Cavs against Orlando in 2014, and they needed overtime. Yeah, it's the Cardiac Kids, the yep. Cardiac Clippers. The only bigger comeback in NBA history, Utah against Denver in 1996, when they trailed by 36. This just sums up Washington perfectly this year. Show a ton of promise, and then show us who they really are. Trash. I'm so glad you brought up 1996, Chewie, because that is the basis for some of my stuff this week. Let's do it then. You want to do it now? Yeah, fuck yeah. Let's do it. So following on from that vein of the what did you miss, this isn't something we missed per se. I mean, we couldn't go into too much detail. But when we talked about 1996 in This Week in Sport, I think it was last week, I was talking about how it was a crazy off-season. And I was like, oh, that's the, that's the off-season that Shaq went to LA. I was thinking about this during the weekend. So I did my research, man. I've gone through. Okay, so first of all, there's some fairly innocuous transactions as there is every season. Charlotte released Michael Adams. Philly released Trevor Ruffin. Um, Charlotte released Robert Parrish at an old age. Minnesota released Spud Webb. I forgot he played for them. Yeah, he did, yeah. That's the same Michael Adams we talked about in this week. I know, exactly. There's so many connections, man, like so many across the board, right? So Boston released Todd Munt. Todd Munt, okay, yeah. Yeah, and there's, there's a lot of NBL names that pop up here too, which makes it even more fascinating. But even the innocuous ones. So the Spurs released Del Demps. Well, he's now an assistant coach. So that's that's interesting too. But okay, get this. So I've kind of condensed it. There were a lot of moves made, and this does include the season as well as the off-season. Did Alonso Mourning go across that season? No, it's one of the few that didn't, right? I, like, I thought that might have been the year he went to Miami. Anyway. But speaking of the Charlotte Hornets, so they traded Kobe Bryant to LA for Vladi Divac. Larry Johnson went to New York for Brad Lowhouse and Anthony Mason. Brad Lowhouse, wow. Speaking of New York, they signed Alan Houston. That was a ridiculous contract. It, well, he, it, the injury hurt. He, he was good, but he was not that good. Yeah, the, it, it, was, it was when Max went a bit funny. And, yeah, it was yeah. like 100 million over it six was, years. It, yeah, it was an interesting time. Portland traded Harvey Grant and Rod Strickland for Rashid Wallace and Michael Butler. To Washington, yeah. Yep. Atlanta signed to Kemi Matumbo, as I mentioned last week, or whenever it was. I think it was last week. Last week, week yeah. Miami signed PJ Brown. LA signed Shaq again, as I mentioned. Now, then there's some middling ones, but they're still important. Portland signed Kenny Anderson. 
Houston traded Chucky Brown, Mark Bryant, Sam Cassell, and Robert Ory to Phoenix for Charles Barkley yep. and a 1999 second rounder that became Tyrone Washington. Yeah, okay. Houston signed Kevin Willis, okay, at the back end of his career, but he was still an important piece. He helped the Spurs win a championship five-plus years later. Miami signed Dan Marley. Speaking of the Spurs, as a Spurs fan, they got both Vernon Maxwell and Dominic Dominique, Wilkins. Dominic, yeah, I remember that. Next Two of my favourite players on opposite teams. To, see, to get both those guys in the same offseason, I was stoked. So to put it in perspective, we are in grade eight in 1996. Mm. So this is like the peak of our kind of fandom in some ways because we had all that disposable time. Now, here's where the NBL connections are really interesting. Minnesota signed Shane Hill. Golden State signed Ray O's. Ray O's. Geelong, Geelong Supercats, yeah. 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 New York signed Chris Gent. Yeah, I remember North that. Melbourne Giants was... went to the NBA, NBL finals with that yeah. team. That was after his time with Houston before, yes, before yep. coming out for North Melbourne. Yep. yep, and before he punched Vlahov in the knee while Vlahov was defending him on the perimeter in game two at the glass house. Barely even noticed it. Philly signed Doug Overton, Adelaide 36ers. Yeah, he also played with Washington. Toronto signed Donald Whiteside. Tasmania back in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thought you were going to say AC Earl. No, he wasn't on the list, but yeah, he played for Sydney back in the day. Philly signed Mark Bradkey. Yep. Dallas traded Jamal Mashburn. They also traded Tony Dumas, Jason Kidd, and Lauren Meyer to Phoenix for Sam Cassell, Michael Finley, and AC Green. So, So Cassell changed hands a few times that season. He did. LA traded Sabalos again, another person we've mentioned recently, and Romeo Robertson to Phoenix for Horry and Joe Klein. Romeo Robinson, eh? Yeah. From that Michigan team. He 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 might have had an NBA 40 or 52, didn't he? Mm, not a 50. Might, might have had he a, had a decent career yeah, in hey, pros. He was in that Michigan team, though, that beat Seton Hall. So Horry went to Phoenix. Speaking of Phoenix, there's something I rubbed from my memory because I love Robert Ory and I we've talked about the Hall of Fame. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. He threw a towel at Danny Ainge. Now, I don't know if it was that season. I think it probably was. Danny Ainge became coach that season because Cotton Fitzsimmons got sacked. Bob Hill got sacked by the Spurs that season. Greg Popovich took the seat. He's now approximately 10 wins away from being the all-time winningest NBA head coach. And all of those wins are with one team. And he nearly lost his job in the first season. Yes, exactly. That famous story with Avery Johnson. Yeah. Against, Against Houston. They basically had to dominate Houston to keep his job. Yep. Portland sacked PJ Carlissimo. They hired Mike Dunleavy. Crazily enough, PJ was then hired as a head coach at Golden State the same season. <laughs> Indiana also hired Larry Bird as their head coach that season. He then went on to take him to the NBA Finals. He did all right. So in the same season and offseason, Shaq, Barkley, Kobe, okay, albeit a rookie at the time, Mark Jackson ended up leading the league in assists with Indiana. He was traded to them that season. Jamal Mashburn, Michael Finley, Dikembe Mutombo, all changed teams. And even the transactions like PJ Brown, Chris Gatling. I mean, he was an all-star. He was an all-star. He was yeah. traded to Dallas. Yep. So what a crazy season and off-season that was as far as player movement was concerned. And again, all those connections between what we've been talking about and all those NBL connections too. Not just import players, Bradkey and Hill. Crazy. Kind of makes this season's trade deadline look like a piece of shit so far. Well, often often the deadline is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk about that when it happens very soon. Now, I assume this one caught your attention when you saw my response. Now, someone tweeted, I don't know if you took note, I, I didn't actually take note of, turn NBA player names into movie titles. So I wrote The God Sham Godfather. Yes. And that was in reply to his Honey, yeah, that's right. Honey I Shrunk the Jason Kid. Yes, which is great. 
Yep. And and I assume that's maybe what how you saw this. It is. Yeah. Now the, the cool thing about God Sham Godfather, that can also be the God Sham Godfather part two, because there's a God Sham God Junior. Ah, who's now playing in college. Okay. Yeah. Right. I like that. Yep. But anyway, so we've come up with just for a bit of fun and we encourage people to think about this. Tweet us at sportblokes. Send us an email, sportblokes at gmail.com. Join in the fun. We, we said five. I've got 24. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I'm just sitting there last night just scrolling through websites. I was like, oh, that, that's kind of good. Screenshot yep. that one. And look, there are some obvious ones. The musical Hamilton was turned into a, into a movie. Richard Hamilton. The Joker. Yep. So there are some obvious ones. I don't know. Do you want to maybe we'll take turns initially and then you can finish off because you've got more than me. I, I will mention I've got two types. So there's ones that didn't flow as well. So the pun kind of interrupts the flow of the movie title and others that flowed really well, which yes, where yep. the pun didn't interrupt. So I'll, I'll sort of start off doing some of the not so good ones and work my way up. So go nuts, Nate. You can start us off. Okay. Well, okay. I've got one that, it, so not a great pun. North by Mark West, rather than North by <laughs> North. Northwest. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Harold Miner and Kumar go to Randy White. Go to Randy White Castle. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. Lord of the Rings: Return of Bernard King. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, the Silence of the Jeremy Lambs. <laughs> Very good. Yep, yep. Leon Wood, the professional. So that's Leon the professional. Leon Wood is actually a referee. He's a referee now as well. Yeah, yeah. so he played though. He's an active referee, 1319 games experience, and he actually lists Australia as a place he'd most like to visit. So that's why I used him. I thought, I'll oh, chuck in a referee. He played as well. Oh, he probably he might have. Yeah, yeah but I, I just chucked him in because he was a ref. I didn't actually look that far to see. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. there you go. Uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Todd Day. <laughs> now, I know we both had this one. This is an obvious one. Brian Shawshank Redemption. Brian Shawshank Redemption, definitely. Yep. yep. Uh, the Lion, Stacey King. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Yep. Now, I've got four here. I don't know if you have these two. And I've I've intentionally picked the player name to go with the back end of the title. Eddie Jones and the Temple of Doom. No, no. I see. I didn't have anything to do with. Ah, uh, okay, I, okay. I, I wanted to, but I thought, oh, there's, oh, there's, there's so many different Joneses. Yeah. Well, Sam Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. KC Jones and the Last Crusade. The reason I say that is because KC won 10 championships, so that 10th can be the Last Crusade. And I wonder if you'll you'll know why I chose this one. Popeye Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Because he's got a ridiculous skull. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I don't like to body shame because, you know, his, I'm no oil work. I mean, but, uh, yeah. He, yeah. he could have been the guy in Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, Popeye. Ooh. Once scored off a jump ball. He did? Yeah. He did with about a tenth of a second left. Yeah, yep. Uh, Brave Josh Hart. Oh, yeah, nice, nice, yep. I've only got one more. That's all right, then I'll just go nuts. Dr. Kevin Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying About the Buyout. (laughs) So rather than the bomb, I said buyout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he would have been worrying about a buyout, but now Cleveland are good and now he's playing well. It's actually funny that you mentioned Kevin Love. I was spitballing some ideas with my wife last night who, who was you know, getting involved with this. And she actually came up with Kevin Love, actually. Ah, yes, very good, very I, good. Well, you never would have thought of those. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's I think great. I like that more than most of mine, to be honest. Right, well, I've, I've still got a few of the crap ones to go. So Fire away. Goodwill Bynum Hunting. Yes, yeah, I, I thought about that as well, yeah, yeah. Lawrence Funderburk of Arabia. <laughs> that's not a crap one. <laughs> Lawrence Funderburk of Sacramento. Of Sacramento, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jurassic Cherokee Park. <laughs> 
Uh, Coach Anthony Carter. May he rest in peace, by the way, Sherry Kane. Yes, very, yeah, very yeah. true, very true. Yeah, Coach Anthony Carter. Yeah, we'll move yep. on from that one because I admitted the other week that I still haven't seen it. Blue Edwards chips. <laughs> I had that on my shortlist and I forgot to write it down. Sounds like a tasty little morsel, well. <laughs> it does a bit, yeah. Uh, Monty Williams and the Holy Grail. Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 very good, very good. And then the ones that kind of flow a little bit better for me. Uh, Saving Private Ryan Anderson. Nice. Jihadi White Men Can't Jump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Chris Ford versus Ferrari. Ah, very nice. The Joe Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Joe Wolf. He actually appeared in my 1996 transaction list. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was moved a few times that season. Probably like Orlando at that stage. He was a few times. Cool Hand Luke Longley. Ah, nice. Get the Aussie in. Very good. Life of Brian Scalabrini. Nice. Yep, yep. John Wally. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a robot that sits on the bench paid to do nothing? Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. Uh, the AC Green Mile. Ah, very good. Yeah. 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 And as an Iron Man of games played. Kill Bill Lambier. <laughs> Many people Many would have been. People. Yeah, that's that's good because of the player. That was why I chose Yeah, that that's excellent. That's excellent. Uh, million dollar baby Davis. Nice. Nice. Yep. He would have million dollar exception baby Davis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then look, the two that I like the most, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I, I quite like these two. American History X, Xavier McDaniel. Ah, nice. He also appeared on my 1996 transaction list. Yeah. Yeah. And the bridge over the river, Kawhi Leonard. Nice. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Oh, I love it. Tell you what, you give me an inch with puns and I'll take it. Oh, yeah, we know. We love wild. puns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you have any, like I say, send them through. Please do. Please um, do. In fact, you know what? They don't even have to be NBA. Sport, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We might that? make this a bit of a running yeah. gag. I also like the idea of coming up with a fake synopsis to kind of suit the title, like like, like what I did with Kevin Love and the buyout. So oh, we yeah. might have to think about those yeah, a bit. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. Good times. A couple cool. of things just quickly to finish off the NBA. The other day, the 76ers were playing the Lakers and Philly decided to honour Julius Irving with a tribute on the big screen. They spelt Irving wrong. Yeah, they only need to look at his jersey hanging in the fucking rafters mm. for the... E-R-V-I-N-G. I did see a really, really good uh, follow-up tweet from at, in all airness, it may be doctored. Hey, lovely. <laughs> very good. Very good. And we did mention uh, John Wally a second ago. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy stat, courtesy of one of our high school mates. In the past five seasons, Dirk Nowitzki has played more games than John Wall. Wow. 128 to 113. Wow. Well, that was like that crazy stat where for a long period, it may still be true, I'm not sure, where the Seattle Supersonics had played more playoff games than the New York Knicks in like the last 20 years or something. Yeah, it was well, something crazy. Possible. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if that's still true, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Wow. John Wall. Yeah, so sad, isn't it? It is. It is. He was great to watch. I mean, not the perfect player, but geez, he was a max guy. He was a pretty important player. Free John Wall and free him of that contract. Indeed. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this Sport Bloke segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter at Sportblokes.